Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. At what point do you look at your phone battery and think my phone is running out of batteries and I better charge it because it's about to die? What percentage battery is that for you? Because for me, it's 70%. The second my phone hits 70%, I start to panic that I am out of battery. It's as though I am in the red. It's as though it's going to die in the next three seconds. The second my phone gets to 70%, God forbid I had just left the house, I am like, great. My phone is not going to make it through the next two-hour walk I'm taking in the street, or it's not going to make it through this night out to dinner. And when it hits 60, forget it. 60, my hair is on fire. 60%, I need to get to a charger. So I'm just wondering, what percent is that for you? What percent do you look at your battery and think, I am screwed? Because that, that's mine. Now, my son, on the other hand, he could have 15%. He's in the red. He's like, I'm good. I'm charged for the day. I'm like, what? These kids have such a different outlook on what it means to have a charged phone. I was with my friend's daughter the other day and I looked down and my phone is probably at 50%. So I'm in a full panic, deep sweat. And there was one charger in the car and I was like, oh, can I use the charger? And she's charging her phone. And she said, okay. And I said, well, is your phone charged? What percent is it at? She says it's at 18%. So she's good. I could have the charger. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm at 50. You must charge your phone. 18%, you're in the red. Time goes very quickly once you're in the red. So it just got me thinking. I'm asking all of you, at what percent do you consider your phone completely running out of batteries and it's time to panic? I'm almost certain I stand alone at the 70% number. Not, maybe not alone. I'm going to say 75% of you are at like the 50% mark. I'm not a mathematician. I just play one on this podcast. Hey guys, welcome to Social Studies. I'm your host, Jenna Kingsley, and I promise you this is nothing like the social studies you learned in school. Don't hate me, but I am one of those people that eat on the phone. I, I, I've always been, you ask any of my friends, even from my teenage years, and they will say, Jenna is notorious for eating on the phone. People have said, what are you eating my entire life? And I don't care if it's noisy. I will eat chips. I will crunch away in someone's face. I will I will eat an apple. And as a matter of fact, I had, I was dealing with the sound engineer for this podcast and we were on, you know, a Zoom and I had my microphone and I was eating an apple right into the microphone. Um, and I said, I'm sorry, I, I have no manners when it comes to chewing in people's ears. I don't, I know a lot of you are going to hate me because a lot of you take issue with that. And I'm always shocked when I'm on the phone with people and they're like, let me call you back. I just have to eat something. I'm like, eat it in my face. What are you talking about? Eat it right into my ear. I don't care. Just chew away. I don't, I don't understand why people get so worked up. And people always say it with disgust. They're like, what are you eating right now? It's because I have like a mouthful of pretzels. They're like, what are you chewing? 
as though I'm doing something illegal. I'm like, I'm, I'm eating pretzels. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I don't get it. Don't hate me, but I don't see what the big deal is when you're eating on the phone. What does it matter? Uh, apparently it matters. And I know a lot of people are going to hate me for that, but it, it, I am who I am. So don't hate me. Okay. My get involved this week is um, a documentary on Netflix called The Real Bling Ring. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. So I'm going to be very delicate with what I say if you haven't watched it. Some of you may remember uh, it being in the news. It was a ring of kids um, that went and robbed celebrities' homes all over uh, California, Los Angeles area. Uh, They made a movie about it. Also, The Bling Ring. Anyway, this is a documentary and they are interviewing the kids, now adults, involved in the bling ring. Okay, this is why we're watching the documentary. It's not so much for the story because I just told you the story, okay? We are watching the documentary for the narcissism. The the characters involved in this, I, I am dumbfounded. First of all, one of the main leaders of the pack, if not the leader of the pack, does not seem even remotely remorseful and he seems proud, like it's funny. But more importantly, one of the other main players, her mother is, wow, she needs her own show. I would watch it 24-7. I would actually watch a live camera following her mom around in the world. I don't want to ruin it for you, but you must immediately watch it just to see the the mother. Have any of you watched this? And if so, can you write to me about what you think of the mother? I don't even think the documentary should have been called The Real Bling Ring. I think it should have been called The Mother. Anyway, I'm dying to know what you guys think. Get involved, go watch it. I can't talk about it more because this is not a spoiler episode, but um, maybe I'll do a spoiler episode. I don't know. I'm just obsessed with the people. That's really all I care about. Not so much the story, but the people that they're interviewing. So get involved, go watch it on Netflix and let me know what you think. And now without further ado, let's get into today's episode. I look like riffraff. You look. I look so bad. It's almost scary. I mean, it's. But it is true, like people on a Tuesday, I mean, I'm kind of in like tweener sweat jammies. That this is what people want to be. Not at the I office. am always in sweats unless I'm going out to dinner. And then I'm still usually in a sneaker. What if you go outside? What if you frolic outside like you need to go get? Oh, no. If I was going to go out right now. You're going to change out of your sweats and sneaks. I'm wearing into, like, my real... sweats. Good. Right. Like, and people. And if I bump it to someone, I'm like, you wish you were off. <laughs> By the way, even if I were on, I'm yeah. off when it comes to, I am in sweats all the time. In fact, you guys, so you can't see this video, but I'm in sweats. Obviously, if you've ever seen yeah. any footage of this podcast, I'm always in sweats. Were you in sweats? I can't really see. I could just see. I mean, I'm in like a sweats and like. I don't actually know that Craig's wearing clothes. I could just see from his neck up. <laughs> I'm in like tweener. They're like pants. I could be worn sweats, Pilates, airplane. 
you know, can function on all levels. I love that you you gave all the scenarios, airplane Pilates. (laughs) That was maybe how I rationalized buying them at the time. I was like, oh, right. I mean, who wouldn't want four or five uses out of one pair of pants? Airplane pants. Airplane pants. That could be like a whole genre. You know, people used to get dressed to fly. Remember that was a thing? Big time, you had what was called valises. You wouldn't even call it like <laughs> luggage. Valise. It was like a French term. Oh, you have your valise. My and grandparents it, used to call it a valise. Turquoise or this and handles and belt straps that are now on raincoats. And, you know, it was different times. People would right? get decked to fly. And then there was the whole thing like you see families flying in those like Sergio Tacchini parachute outfits. Gosh, the fact that you just said Takini is. Is that what those parents, I wanted one so bad. And my mom's like, no, no, that's not, that's not a thing. I mean, us. that and Alessa was big in the eighties where people would wear those sweatsuits. And we actually had a, a friend who we called Takini because it was all he would wear. My dream is to wear the same outfit as my family when I fly. That's my dream because I like to do kitschy, stupid things like that. As you're. Your family now, not not what it wasn't. Obviously, yeah, my family then, who are still happen to be my family. Okay, let me just introduce you. Yes. Okay. Oh, we're rec- wait. We're recording right now. <laughs> I'm not wearing a wire. It, it, there was a, an announcement that said this con- this conversation is now being recorded. I, re- I wanted to record the clothing conversation. Okay, okay. that's fine. Because I know liked what? it. I like live and off the cuff. I don't even like to know. Just I, like I have real. no format. I am the least prepared Ditto. podcaster that ever lived. That just, you, I already, you had me at least prepared. <laughs> I am. I'm the least prepared person ever. Okay. I have you guys today. I'm really excited. This is a, an interview I tried to get for so long and I just couldn't nail this guest down. But today I have him. His name is Craig Borakov and he's one of LL's best friends. He's also super funny and I had to have him on. Craig, thank you so much for showing up for my podcast. Thank you for having me. Everyone's going to love you when we're done. If they don't, it's all right. They will. The first time I met you, Craig, the first night. Do you remember? I do remember because, and I've talked about this on my podcast, one of my bucket list items in life is doing the lift from Dirty Dancing. (laughs) Yes. I met Craig for like a half hour and I mentioned it to him and in the bar, he volunteered to do the lift with me in the bar. Do you remember? I mean, we're meeting for the first time. There were no, I didn't feel like I had to know you better. I just had to know that you were able to hold my weight if I jumped into a lift position. And I did. You were, I mean, you were as light as a feather. I could have <laughs> <You> held like, <laughs> you guys, I think it was almost too much of a lift. It was too much of a lift. And I almost right. went over your head and crashed into something, which would have been terrible. I believe there's a video of that. There is a video, you guys, on the official social studies Instagram. Just look through my posts and there is a video of, there's a reel of Craig lifting me and doing the lift, which was very exciting for me. We're going to have to nail it. Both ways. Yes. <laughs> I mean, as well, right. That kind of gets in because we are Russia the Russian. <laughs> okay. So I was with Craig and he, he described two ways of dating. Craig, are you currently dating? Are you, are you single right now? I'm currently, I would say single. Okay. He's single. 
So he's a dating male, dating a healthy male. And we were discussing, he gave me two theories, two kinds of dating patterns that you can have. Tell everyone what they are. Do you remember what they're called? Loose. Well, the rut. I would the rush along, which is kind of like what I call add water okay. is just off the top of my head. Roughly like, you know, there's two ways you could go when you meet someone. What I call add water, like if you add water to a plant that grows, you can just you start off kind of hot and heavy. So you just kind of you're, you're together Friday night. The next depending if you have a sleepover, you're together Saturday. The weekend morphs into a three day tornado. And that would be like the rush along at while adding water. Mm-hmm. And that's one way to go. Mm-hmm. Then there's also the date and wait. The wait and date. Where it's like, yeah, okay, we went out Tuesday. Oh, I'll text you Thursday, Friday. Nice time. Let's plan to get together next Wednesday. You know, so there's, they're, they're completely polar opposite. Completely polar opposite. Now, what I find interesting of the rush along versus the wait and date is Dating advice typically is that you should do the wait and date. You should be measured. You should not be so available. And Craig and I were saying like, life is short. Rush it along. Well, yes. So that's brilliant. So especially let's say, (laughs) you know, maybe if I was 25, maybe you date and wait, right? Right. But now where we are in life and what we've been through and we realize all this stuff in COVID, blah, 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 post-divorce. Right. You just want real. Right. Which I even said to you before, real and real is going to be just going for it, what you feel alive. So more the rush along. But I do understand within it because I've done both in the past two years, I'll be honest. And it takes kind of it's also the personality. And um, if you do the rush along, you also you need two to tangle to do that. Right. Both people probably scared of being, oh, I'm a little I use the word needy, but like, you know, there's like a certain nuance that's lost. But to me, on the flip side, there's a certain passion or spark that happens when you do that versus the waiting date. Yes, I'm not available. I'll see you in two weeks. I've got this fake dinner going over here, <laughs> you know, busy, you know, here's my event and something builds, but you can lose that spark. Right. So it's, it, it's still an interesting dichotomy and it's still an interesting situation. And it takes two people to be on the same page. But I will say I was more of a rush along person, but I have learned a little of the date and wait because something is built there. Mm-hmm. But I do still think you're risking losing a certain, uh, I want to say genesis quad, like a certain, you know, everything in life is timing in a window. And, yes. you, you know, maybe I can change in a month. Well, I felt like this a month ago, but, you know, things just change. Like to me, you got to get that, feeling when it's live. I, I agree with that a hundred percent, but as you probably know, when I started dating LL, you wait and dated, I wait and dated the shit out of him. Once we dated, it was not, it was kind of a rush along. Like we went, I went from the wait and date to that, to the rush along. Once I decided I really liked him. Well, let, let me flip the interview a little bit for two minutes. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so like, right. So you kind of, that's what I'm saying. I realized that, like anything on life balance, you had the waiting date. And from that, when the time was right, you knew when to rush along. I knew when to rush. And what was nice is, and I, this and is built. the one thing about the waiting date versus the rush along yeah. is we actually had like a friendship. And I felt even if it was fake, 
a false familiarity because we had been in touch for so long before we started dating hot and heavy. So let me just say you hit the nail on the head for me in my own epiphany. Because when I first discussed with you this concept, let's say I was a little more towards the rush alongside. Okay? Yeah. And then I realized, I, I don't want to mention names, through other dating and relationships, I'm like, you know what? You know, everyone wants to be sure. You don't want to take, you know, if you rush along, you take a risk of exposing yourself, this, being hurt again. But the, what you said, the friendship gets built. We're in the rush along, that almost comes afterwards. And you can like rush along and then you'd be like, Oh, wait a minute. I don't even like you. I don't like you. <laughs> I'm not, you're not a friend where, so you'll, it's like, everything's a trade off. You're losing that like passion spark, but you're developing that friendship, which really is what's going to keep it going the rest of your life. Cause hundred percent, that, maybe we can come up with a special formula or a name for you first do a wait and date. <laughs> And then you flip to the rush along. Let me tell you why the rush along is helpful, especially fake like you were saying. That was classic. <laughs> yeah, even if it's fake friendship, a false sense. Of, I know what you mean. A false sense of knowing. Someone. Right. I'll take it. By the way, like I, I'll take right. the false take sense. What you can get. Delude me. I don't. But the thing is, the thing about the rush along, like you were saying, at our age, like if I if I were twenty five years old, wait and date, date the whole world, have all the experiences, but at some point in dating, right? Like you don't want to keep going through. And I'm just talking about like Craig and I are both divorced. We both have been married. We both have dated many people, not to put you in my gigolo category, (laughs) but um, you don't, you don't want to go through like that whole, like, Oh, meet the friends, meet the family. Then you go through it again and again. So in some sense, the rush along is nice because it's like, Oh, you have a crazy mother. Introduce me. You have terrible friends. Make me spend the weekend with them. Like just make me force it down my throat. So I know exactly what I'm getting. I don't want to date you for a year and then find out your, your family is, crazy and going to be overbearing. I want to know that up front. I want to know it all. You know what I'm saying? Let's say you were dating someone who had like a psycho and you were getting like a psycho mother-in-law, like meet her on the second date. Know know that she's going to pick your clothes, that mother-in-law. You know what I'm saying? Like rush it along. And you apart. Yeah. By the way, show me the plot where you're going to be buried. I want to know where we're going to die together. Wow. That is the true rush along. That's the true rush along. I want to know, like, let me see the whole picture before I get further in. Like, show me the whole plan. Right. So in a way, you know what you're getting. How about like a little like dart or splash of rush along, but like, then you pull back, you're like, like almost like uh, I go back to Jurassic, you know, like uh, they do like that little, little like hiss sting of like your <laughs> <laughs> exposure, but then you pull back and I'm like, okay, this is a little taste. Of what this you're is a get. taste. Read me one paragraph of the eulogy that you're going <laughs> to give at my funeral. So I know if you know me well enough and this relationship was worth it. I think it's very interesting. I'm curious to hear from you guys when you date, what do you think? Do you like the wait and date or do you like the rush along? I know everyone's going to say the wait and date because that's what we're trained to think. And the truth is, I do think it ends up. But then you hear about these people that are like, we dated a month and got married. We've been married for 27 years. It would be an interesting thing if you ask people in their 20s, 30s, 40s. You know, like it might be different within that breakdown, but... 
you also then you can be a rush along. But what if you meet a rush along and you're a waiting date or vice versa? Then what do you do? That's another prisoner's dilemma. You're going to have to live with the anxiety. You're going to have to live with the wait and date anxiety. <laughs> so like, the wait and date always wins. The wait and date has to win. Otherwise, always you're forcing wins. something that's just going to freak someone out. But so you're if you're a rush along or you're going to have to sit with your own anxiety and possibly right. talk to your shrink about your attachment style. <laughs> but the rush along thinking, oh, well, if he or she really likes me, it's meant to be, if, you know, like. 100%. Rush along can get a little salty and then you lose the rush along. And it takes its salt to another pepper. A hundred percent. And the waiting date is waiting and dating again. It's a very good point. It's a very good point. The people that date for four weeks and are married 27 years, maybe it's better to not know who you're marrying. Maybe it's better that your spouse is a stranger and then you spend the rest of the time getting to know them. <laughs> Because at the same time, it keeps things fresh. You're like, oh, let me learn about you. Right. You have a family? Amazing. Can I meet them? You like what? (laughs) You have children? Can I meet them? (laughs) You play the violin? (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) Yeah, it it really... You're gay? No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that explains it. (laughs) By the way, it happens. It happens to people. Plenty of times. And not that there's anything wrong with it. You and I both discussed before we started recording that we're not, we don't go to bed early. We're not like early to sleep. I'm getting better at it because. What are you doing to make yourself better at it though? So, you know, I've discussed this before, but I don't have that piece of my brain that's like, oh, you're tired. It, you should probably try to go to sleep. The maturity part of the sleep brain? I don't have the maturity sleep no, brain at all. I don't have it as well. I like it's a rebellion. Some people say they're tired, close their eyes and just fall asleep. I envy people like that because I don't know when it's time to go to bed. Like, when is it time? And I like to stay up and you guys, it's not even, sometimes I'm not even watching TV. Sometimes I just like to rethink every mistake I've ever made in my life. I like to <laughs> I, I sit in this chair. I don't know if you can see. And that's my, uh, it's not like the TV's on or that. I would say that goes between 11 and two. And that's like reflection time. Think of everything. And it's not like, right. It's not like I'm staying awake to go out or to watch a movie. This it's just, I find a peacefulness that exists at night. Yeah. Between 11 and three, nothing really can be done. No chores can be done. I mean, there are 24 hour stores. So finally, my brain, I'll maybe say our brains come down where I can kind of just relax and think about things, game plan. Yeah. And then there's people that just go to bed at like 10 o'clock easily. But I've never been that, to be honest, since I was a kid. I've never been that either. You are what you are. And then I just realized, why am I fighting it? Just be who you are. Just be who you are. And here's the problem with me though, is I I can't function well. Like when I was younger, I could function better with less sleep. I need like real sleep to function. And lately, and I, I discussed this on a recent podcast, I got I had jet lag because I, I was traveling. So I was on a normal person's schedule when I got back to New York. Like I go to bed at 10, the norms. <laughs> I'd go to bed at 10 and wake up at like, six. And then I had hours. It felt like my day was so long and productive. 
Um, I could have learned a new language by like 9 a.m. every day. So there's something to be said for it. But what really got me, yeah, aging, aging, sleep helps with aging. Like, well, aging. Now you're well. gonna go down the rabbit hole, right? So technically, your cells are regenerating. Your cells if you are. Sleep. Yes. And that's why we're like, I'm gonna, even though if you're up at six, you're gonna be like, you know what? I'm gonna sleep till eight or nine. Let my cells regenerate. Let my body heal. Nothing can sell me on something faster than telling me that it will help me age well. Right. So the more it's the truth, the more you sleep, that's when you get your regeneration. But your mind is always awake. So it's a it's like a battle. It's like spy versus spy. It's uh, the devil and the angel on the shoulder constantly. We discussed, you're a major coffee drinker. You you and I have discussed this. I can't wake up without coffee. My day cannot start without a cup of coffee and neither can yours. But I don't, I don't drink coffee at any other time of the day. If I over drink coffee, I get anxious because I'm also a super anxious person. So if I uh, over drink okay. coffee, okay. I have hit my, I have kicked my anxiety to a whole new level. Also, something just happens. Like I said, it's like I have no more need for coffee and I've turned on coffee. But if I was like at somewhere and had a nice coffee, like I drink that because that doesn't feel like coffee to me. Okay, you know? kind of makes sense. Like that seems more like dessert. But I guess coffee is could be like, to, I don't know. I've just, it's weird. I don't, I don't drink coffee after I have my morning coffee. I think if you switch to espresso, you would be different. Because coffee is different. Really? So you're really just in it for the rush. You're an adrenaline junkie. I'm not into it. I don't want to sit there and sip that 16-ounce vente, whatever they call it. No, I just want the bing. You want an IV in your arm of caffeine is what you're saying. Right. I mean, I used to do the big coffee, then the hot coffee, then the iced coffee. And then once I learned espresso... What you think about it, Americans are the only ones with big coffees, pickup trucks, this. Most of the world is not drinking coffee like this. That is absolutely and, you true. Know, you go through most of the world. I mean, I'm, you can go to Morocco. You can go to Italy. You can go anywhere. It's, it's you know, doing this little dainty move. Yeah. By it's, the way, uh, even espresso. if you say, like, because they're like American or even if you say American in another country, they still give you the tiniest. Yeah. Country. You, you, but you've traveled, right? Have yeah. you seen? I've seen things, Craig. I've seen things. <laughs> I've not There's seen. There's no such thing as a big gulp. In, in, uh, why, do, no. why do Americans have to drink so much liquid? When you go to Disney, World, wrong, you know, <laughs> when you go to Disney, they sell a bucket with a handle that you could put soda what? in. In what world is the 24 ounce not enough that you need a big gulp with somebody? <laughs> and you know what? Here's an extra two dollars. You get to keep this awkward mug for the rest of your life to remind you just how awkward you are. <laughs> like you go to like a Met game. It's like. Oh, here, I want this soda for $48 because it has this like that of like, it's crazy. Do you know how many times I'll be in a movie theater and they're like, for an extra 25 cents, you can have this size. And they have to like use like a crane to get it onto the counter to show me. And I'm like, I'm not, what am I doing? It's bigger than I am. I don't care if it's free. I don't want it. You get the popcorn for $10. It's like this small, but for $10.50, you can have this bucket. (laughs) 
It's really so weird. Why are we so obsessed with size? We're so weird. It's, We're so it's, weird. Here's I, I didn't realize it until I traveled the world. Maybe you were cultured enough to travel pre-thumb sucking years. I really didn't. <laughs> and it was like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with us? Like, what are we doing? It's even so a salad true. is like, do I need this much kale in my life? It's so it's so true. I actually was in Amsterdam years and years ago, like forever ago with my mom. I was in college and at our hotel, they had like, they had different, like for some reason in the lobby each day, there was a different kind of breakfast and the, and the American day was a buffet and I was more, I was mortified. <laughs> <laughs> right versus the English breakfast, which is like <laughs> like so dainty. Then it's like American buffet, and I was like, "This is so depressing." Like right. I wanted to like hide. I was like, "Mom, we can't eat here." I was like, "You're ashamed, I, right?" Your American buffet didn't even have the ex- like the excess of our regular breakfasts. It was like silver dollars, and there was like four of them in the tray. We invented super size, probably right. Like you yeah, remember oh, yeah. McDonald's when it came out with that? You're like, oh. I can supersize my fries and beverage. Why not? It's why we have so many health problems in this country. Because really by the way, is. you mean, know that when you go to other countries, like even ketchup just has high, like regular branded ketchup in the supermarket has three ingredients. And in America, the same exact ketchup in the same brand has like 2000 ingredients. Okay, Craig, I, I we're out of time. I yes, can't I believe mean, it. But you're so awesome. You have to come back because you're very fun to speak to. And um, we'll do this again. Yes, it was a treat. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to Social Studies with Jenna Kingsley. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to stalk me, you can do that on Instagram at Jenna Kingsley. You can visit my website, jennakingsley.com. You can follow me on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Jenna Kingsley. If you have a topic you think we should cover, you can slide into the DMs or send me an email. Have a great week and I will speak to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.